We finished the first parak of Sefer Yeshua. Last week we did the last pasuk, This was a statement of the members of the tribes of God, uh, of Reuven, God, and half of Manasseh. They told Yeshua they accept his authority, they will obey him completely, they'll go wherever he sends them, they'll fight, they'll, they'll, they'll fight for Klal Yisrael. And, they, and they, they concluded their statement by saying, any man who will disobey you, who, who will flout your orders, anyone who will not listen to, to what you say regarding anything you command him to do, you must, he shall be put to death, but be strong. Be strong, be, be, be firm. So we discussed what is, what, what is rak. Rak means an exception typically, or but is a qualification. Everyone will listen to you and everyone will be put to death if they don't listen to you. But chazak but be strong. What is the, the but? What, 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 what is this final statement? So we said that there were three explanations of what, we, we mentioned three explanations of what rak chazak means. One shot, chazal shot, brought by the radak and brought by the, the ralbag is that one must obey under uh, or else be put to death one must obey anything the king commands except except rock but the exception is only if uh, only insofar as the Melech's commands are consistent with the Torah we discussed uh, real world examples of people who were in military situations and modern situations where the government wanted them the military wanted things that were against the Torah but were against uh, against morality so the so that, that's one shot. Rock means, but the one one thing where one area where your your orders have no authority, where we will not listen to you, we can't listen to you, we shouldn't listen to you, is in orders that conflict with the Torah. A second shot, the the Ralbag mentioned. A second shot is they told him Rach Hazak Mehmatz that leadership is uh, is mutual. You, that we have a tremendous responsibility to listen to you, to obey you, and do whatever you say. However, Rach Hazak you have a responsibility as well. You have to be, you have to lead, you have to lead diligently, Bacharitzus. You can't just uh, let things go and assume that they'll run on their own. People need a leadership. People, the nation needs a, needs a leader. So you have the privileges of the, of the leader. You also have the responsibilities. Rach, however, we'll listen to you, but you have responsibilities as well. Your responsibilities are to be diligent and lead the people. Like Moshe said, and we read, we read this yesterday in the Pasha, like Moshe said, uh, he asked Hashem to appoint a leader. Yifkod, Hashem alokei ruchos. Hashem should appoint a leader because the, the, the concern was blotia das Hashem katzona shereen lehem roed. The nation of Hashem, the the, the the assembly of Hashem, shall not be like sheep that have no shepherd, which is not a good situation. A third shot in Rachazak Vemutz is found in the Mitzudas David. Mitzudas David said Rachazak. That our duty is to obey and not to rebel. Your duty is you have to be strong to punish those who rebel. Not to be mochel, not to uh, wave, to, 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 not, to, uh, not, to, not to condone flouting of your authority. So we'll respect, our duty is to respect your authority, but your duty is to respect your authority as well. You have a duty as well to take your authority seriously and punish those who... Uh, this is a terrible dilemma for a king. A king sometimes will, will, will encounter some kind of violation of his authority, maybe by a young person you know, who doesn't know, who doesn't know better, is hot-blooded and mature. He might want to turn a blind eye and say, it's not a big deal. 
he made a mistake, but they, they said, no, you have a duty to uphold the cover of the, 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 cover of the melech. You should not be mochel those who, those who are, uh, those who violate your cover. This is actually a, a major discussion in the Gemara. The Gemara in Kedushin, in the first parish, discusses Kibur Aveim, the mitzvah of respecting parents, and from there it discusses some of the halachas, it discusses the, many of the halachas of Kibur Aveim, and from there it segues also into the halachas of other types of people for whom one is obligated to have kavod and mora. So, in particular, the Gemara has a discussion about th- this question, this question raised briefly by the Masudas David, is a person who has a, a right to expect covered from somebody else, does he have the right to be mochel, to say, you know, it's okay. Can a father say, you're not supposed to sit in my chair? You're not supposed to contradict me? I don't know, you have to stand up when I enter the room? It's okay, I don't mind. Uh, I'm, I'm mochel on my covered, you don't have to do this. Many parents today do that. Many parents today don't expect, people, parents expect some level of derech but they don't, they don't necessarily expect all the things that Allah says a son has to do. Right. Simcha says, I sometimes let him sit in my chair. I, I, I don't always insist that, parents don't always insist that children stand up every time they enter the room. So what's the halacha about the av shemachla a parent whose mochlan is covered? The Gemara discusses four cases. Av shemachla a parent whose mochlan is covered. Father, presumably a mother. A rebbe, right? Rab, rab shemachla kvodo. A, uh, a, a, a teacher of Torah, a nasi. A nasi is an even uh, is a, a, a leadership position of Torah, the leader of the generation in, based on Torah. And the fourth is a king, a king shemachlach vodu. So, what is the halach in these four cases? So, the Gemara in Kedushin on Lamed Beis begins by discussing Av shemachlach vodu. It says, it says that uh, the Gemara brings a statement: Av shemachlach vodu kvodo machel. Father has the ability to mochel on his covered, but harav shemachlal kvodo ain't kvodo mochel. The first opinion is a rav, a talmud chacham, a rebbe who's mochel on his covered. That's not effective. That he can't do. Ain't kvodo mochel. However, we don't pass like that. We pass like the next opinion in the Gemara. The Gemara brings a dissenting view that Rav Yosef Amar Afilu harav shemachlal kvodo kvodo mochel. Certainly, an av can mochel on his covered. Even a rav can be mochel on his covered. That works as well. And the and he brings a, a proof, he brings a pasuk, it says, Vashem holech lefneim yoma, that God, when the, 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 that, that the Jewish camp, God went before the Jews with uh, an Amadonna, an Amadesh, that was, obviously God does not have a physical presence, but it means God's uh, manifestation, God's, uh, God's, uh, God's avatar, he went before the Jewish people in, uh, by, by day and by night, so even though it's, it's covered for Hashem to uh, it's covered for Hashem to walk in front of people, Hashem is Hashem is the, the master. Yet Hashem did it. Hashem Hashem loved us and Hashem wanted to help us and Hashem was willing to be mochel and is covered and act as a, as an inferior does to a superior to walk in front of them to help smooth out the road and so on to help uh, show them where to go. And uh, so you see that a rav can be mochel on his a rav can be mochel on his cover. This is the famous Gemara. That Unclus Hager, it says that Unclus was a was a, was 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 a, was a Roman. He was connected to the connected to the emperor, related to the emperor. He became a Gertzedek. He became Jewish, and the emperor wanted to uh, bring him back. He kept sending soldiers to to haul him in to bring him back to the into the fold, and he kept uh, he kept subverting the, the he kept subverting the soldiers' orders by by showing them how wonderful it was to be uh, to be a Israel to be Jewish. 
He gave them examples like uh, like we put a mezuzah on the door. He, he touched he, at one point he touched the mezuzah, and that, that's a source for kissing the mezuzah perhaps. He touched the mezuzah. Anach he put his hand. They asked him, like, what is that? But by the third, I think by the third time, he was forbidden to actually say anything. After 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 he had uh, seduced the, the first two groups of Romans away from the the service to the emperor, he said, "Don't talk to him. Just don't just, just, just don't don't talk to him at all." So they so they uh, he put his hand on the mezuzah, I think, and they asked him, "What is that?" And they just you know, wanted to know what that was all about. So he said. That uh, look what it means to be uh, to be a Yisrael. He said, uh, a, an ordinary melech. The melech is inside, and the guards are outside. Here, you know, I, I, we Jews, we stay inside our house, and the mezuzah, the, the, again, manifestation of Hashem, is outside guarding us on the on the doors. And they, they, I think they, I think they also became gayer. So the uncle has made this point that that Hashem is, so to speak, mochel on his covered. Ordinarily, the king demands the covered. The master demands the covered, and everyone else is uh, is serves him and defers to him. And obviously, we have to serve Hashem. We have to have covered in the era for Hashem. But in a certain sense, Hashem sometimes is mochel on his covered and serves us and kaviyachel and and, and and acts as a as a servant as a as an inferior would to a superior. So the Gemara says, what kind of proof is that? The Gemara says, Hakadosh Baruch Hu can be mochel on his covered. That makes a lot of sense because Alma Dilehu. It's his world, and uh, the Torah delay you, it's his Torah. Hashem makes the rules, Hashem makes the world. Hashem wants to be mochel, why not? Who's going to say no? However, he says, uh, he wants to be mochel as covered, that's up to him, it's Hashem's prerogative. Hacha, Torah delay you, we're talking about a Talmud Chacham. Why does he deserve covered? Because he knows a lot of Torah, he knows, he knows much Torah. That's Hashem's Torah, so who said he is? So people have to show honor to him, to show respect for Hashem, to show respect for the Torah, respect for Hashem. So who said he has the right to mochel on his covered? This is another famous Gemara. The, the, the Gemara says, I think it was Rava who said, how foolish people are, he said. People in his time, they would stand up for a Sefer Torah, and they wouldn't stand up for a Gavar Rabba. They wouldn't stand up for a Talmud Chacham. He says the, the, the honor that Talmud Chacham is deserving is even greater than the Torah, he said. But, 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 but certainly the, certainly the, the honor that, that, that is owed to a Talmud Chacham is obviously because of the Torah. So and is, is it really his Torah? Does he have the right, does he have the right to eat mochel? Does, does he really have the right to mochel? Is it really his Torah? So the Gemara says, Amarava in Torah Dilehu. A very powerful idea. The Gemara says the Torah does really belong to the Talmud Chacham. It's considered his Torah because it says, It says that, that, that a person should study Torah. It says, in his Torah. He should study Kimbatarath uh, and in his Torah, Yege day and night. Originally it says Taras Hashem. The beginning of the Pasuk says that the Torah is Hashem's Torah. The end of the Pasuk says once he learned it and he studied it, Uvisaraso, study your Torah. It's considered your Torah. So the Gemara has this incredibly powerful idea that a Tamil Torah is not considered Hashem's Torah. I mean, obviously it is, but it's considered his Torah, Torah Dilehu. A Tamil Chacham is allowed to. Uh, Allowed to mochel on his covered because yes, the covered is for the Torah, but the Torah is considered his Torah, and that's why he can be mochel. Incidentally, the, the, this idea that that Torah is considered the Talmud Chacham's Torah, it's considered his 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 thing. It's his right to be mochel. This the the, the actually bring this up in a very different context, in the context of intellectual property, of copyright. The Akronim discuss whether someone who studies Torah and has kedushim and has novel ideas publishes them as a manuscript. Does he have the right, to, what we would call a copyright, does he have the right to restrict others from publishing them? Does he have the right to, to be compensated for them? So Akronim had, in the 19th century, Akronim had a vigorous debate 
but how to how to how to uh, how to uh, understand from a Torah perspective what what rights do authors have, inventors have in the in their creations, in their inventions, in their in their literary works. So so the the discussion applies uh, generally as well, but most of the discussion revolved around Chidushet Torah. That's what that's what Jews were doing. That that's where Jews were creative. So some posts can discuss whether whether Torah has any special rules with regard to intellectual property. On the one hand, you're supposed to disseminate Torah. You're not supposed to keep Torah for yourself. So maybe you shouldn't have rights. On the other hand, some posts can say Torah delayhu. The Torah says that the, the, the Gemara tells us that based on the pasuk, when a person studies Torah, it's his Torah. Torah delay. It's considered your Torah. That the that, that Torah is considered your Torah. That it's considered your Torah, so maybe you do have the right to, uh, to have some kind of intellectual property exclusivity rights in the Torah. So that was a debate, it's not our figure right now. In any event, so that's why the Gemara said that a Chacham can be Mochel, a Chacham can be Mochel on his covered because it is his Torah. The, the, the Gemara goes on that the. The Gemara goes on. Another, another statement, it says, Ravashi says, even according to the opinion that we passed in like that a rab, a tamal chacham, shemachal al-kvodo, kvodo machal, but a nasi shemachal al-kvodo, so the nasi is a, the higher madriga, the nasi is the leader, he's not quite a king, but he's um, Adam Gadol, he's a, he, he's a uh, how do you define nasi? Not always so clear, but, but the nasi was some kind of formal formal leadership position based on Torah. A nasi cannot be machal on his covered. Mar doesn't say why, but it says a nasi is different. Umar says, is that really true? If it brings a story, it says, Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Tzadok were at a party. They were Mesubin Bebeis HaMishtah. Uh, the the Beis HaMishtah of the son of Rabbi Galil. He was getting married, apparently. Rabbi Galil's son, he made a wedding for his son, and these other Tanayim were at the wedding. And Rabbi Galil himself was Omenu Mashkeleim. He was serving. He was acting as the, the bartender. He was acting as the, as the server, the, the sommelier, to, to pour everyone, to pour everyone wine. So it says that he offered, he offered Rabbi Eliezer. Rabbi Eliezer refused to take it. He said, ah, how, Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Eliezer is the Nasi. How can I accept service from him? Rabbi Eliezer wouldn't take it. Rabbi Yeshua took it. Rabbi Yeshua had a whole history with Rabbi Eliezer. Rabbi Yeshua had several major arguments with Rabbi Eliezer, major disputes. Some of them were quite, uh, quite fierce. Rabbi Yeshua took the coast from Rabbi Gamaliel. Rabbi Eliezer says, Maza Yeshua, how can you behave so disrespectfully toward Rabbi Gamaliel? We're sitting here at a party and Rabbi Gamaliel is standing and pouring us to drink. How can we, uh, how can we, uh, how can we not show, the, how can we not show respect to Rabbi Gamaliel? Rabbi Yeshua told him, Rabbi Yeshua told him, no, that, that's fine. He said, Matinu uh, We find greater people than Rabbi Gamaliel who served others who were clearly their inferiors. We served, uh, what? Good, Simcha, Simcha has the next one in the Gemara, Avram. It says Avram was Gadla uh, Darhaya. Avram was the greatest figure in his generation. And it says, when the, when the three people, three Malachim came to Avram, and he served them. It says, he stood over them and provided service to them. And m- maybe you'll say they were Malachim, so they were, but he says, no, but they looked, they looked to him like Arvim, the, the, the Gemara, he says. They looked like Arabs. He didn't know they were Malachim, apparently. And uh, so we, we can accept service from Rabbi Gamaliel as well. So Rabbi Tzadok says, I have, a better, uh, I have a better paradigm. I have a better precedent for you. You're, uh, you're, you're, you're bringing Abraham Avinu. 
I can, uh, I'll bring Akash Baruch Hu himself. It's like, Akash Baruch Hu is the, it's unparalleled. And yet, Akash Baruch Hu brings winds, and Ma'ad brings clouds, and then brings rain, and makes the earth, makes things grow. And he provides uh, a table, he provides food and sustenance for, every, for everything in creation. So, if, if Hashem, if Hashem goes to the, Hashem makes a point of providing for the needs of all his creations, even though he's, we all respect Hashem, and yet Hashem fit, considers it appropriate for him to uh, for, him, for him to take steps to provide sustenance for everyone in the world. We can accept it from Rabbi Eliel as well. So then, so the Mara rejects the rejects Rabbi Eliezer's position that Anas, that that uh, so, so the Mara the Mar initially said that a nasi shmachlok kvodo ain't kvodo machel, a nasi can't be machel. But then, at the conclusion of this discussion, the Gemara says that. Even a Nasi can, because even a Nasi, even Rabbi Gamliel was allowed to, the, even Rabbi Eliezer was reluctant, but the other Tanaim, Rabbi Tzadok and Rabbi Yeshua, and they seem to have the final word. They said that even a Nasi is allowed to serve others. Even a Nasi is allowed to be Mokhal and his covet. That was why Rabbi Gamliel could serve his guests, even though he was a Nasi, because he was Mokhal and his covet. He was happy to, uh, to act in the capacity of a server, to pour the wine for them. So the halacha is, Av Shemachlok Vodu Kvodu Machel, Rav Shemachlok Vodu Kvodu Machel, the one exception is Melech. Melech, the Gemara says, Eli, Eli, Marachi, Yitmar, Ravashi's final statement is, Even though you could have argued that if Hashem could do it, why can a Melech do it? But Maskana, the Gemara is no, a Melech cannot be Melech in this cupboard. Because the Torah itself says a Melech shouldn't be Melech in this cupboard. The Torah itself says, Som Tasim Alecha Melech, you shall. Appoint the king over yourself. That the that the from this pasuk of Som Tasim Alecha Melech that the that there is there is an obligation that the, that the Melech's or the Melech's Ema be preserved. The Melech cannot be Mochel and is covered because that would violate the Torah's mitzvah of Som Tasim Alecha Melech. So that's how we paskin that an Avki Mochel and is covered, a Ravki Mochel and is covered, a Nasiki Mochel and is covered, not a Melech. A Melech cannot be Mochel and is covered. And that's what the Mitzvah David is, is alluding to here, this idea that he says that B'nai Gadah B'nai Ruvain and Menasha told Yoshua, we will listen to you, we will obey you, but you have responsibility as well. You should not be mochel on your covered, which he says means you should actually punish people who don't respect your covered. But the basic idea of, of Melech Shemachel Kvodo in Kvodo Machel is how we pass him, that even though most people can be mochel on their covered, father and a Rebbe and so on, not a Melech, a Melech cannot be mochel on his covered. So the interesting question is why? If a if a Tamil is covered, why can't a why can't a Melakimokhlan is covered? After all, we we said that the, the Gemara's precedent for being Mokhlan covered is Hashem was Mokhlan is covered. Hashem went before the Jews in the midbar with uh, during at the Exodus with, uh, with 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 pillars of cloud and fire, and Hashem provides like Rabbi Tzadik said, Hashem provides sustenance for the whole world. If the whole source of being Mokhlan covered is the, 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 the precedent is Hashem, so why doesn't that apply to a Melech as well? And, 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 and specifically, why is, and also, why is Melech more than a Rebbe? If a Rebbe, if a Rav can be Mokhlan is covered, a Tamil be Mokhlan is covered, why can a Melech not be Mokhlan is covered? So there's a discussion about this in a Gemara in Sanhedrin. The Gemara in Sanhedrin says that there was once a case where Yanai HaMelech, Yanai HaMelech was involved in a court case. His Evid had killed somebody, apparently, and they were judging the Evid, not Yanai. But since Yane was the owner of the Eved, that uh, King Yane was, the, this is during the Second Temple era, since Yane was the owner of the Eved, so th- there's a halacha that when, when, that when, we, that when we, we discuss property, when, when there's, a, when there's a, like Shor HaNiskel, whether to kill an ox, who killed a human, whenever there's a discussion about property, the, the, the owner is required to be present. 
since they were discussing what to do with the Eved, whether he needed to be executed, they, they were having a criminal case against the Eved. So Yanai had to be present, so they ordered Yanai to appear before the basin, so he appeared. So, so it says he appeared, and he came and he sat down. He's the king, the king doesn't stand up, the king sits down, so the Yanai came and he sat down. And he said, okay, well, you know, uh, so let's do the case. Shimon ben Shetach said, you have to stand up. And he told the king, you have to stand up because we're going to testify against you, against your interest here. You're obligated to stand up. And don't think that this is some kind of uh, disrespect for the, for the crown, for the throne. He said, no, understand, he said, you're not standing in front of us, in front of human beings, your subjects. Rather, you're standing up in the presence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The Torah says you have to stand up. So, the Torah says you have to stand up. So, so that's the halacha. You're respecting the Torah by standing up. So, so, so the, need to, the, need, the need to stand up is, 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 is the demand of the Torah, which overrides the, the, the halacha of Kavad HaMelech. Tosa says, So Tosus asks, the Gemara says that Yana was expected to stand up because the, because the Torah says, There's a halacha that the litigants are supposed to stand up when they're in the presence of Basin, when Basin is receiving testimony against them. Uh, we, don't, we actually don't do this bismanazeh. The halacha actually, ironically, even the Gemara makes such a big deal about it here, we actually don't do this bismanazeh. Bismanazeh and Basin, the litigants sit down. And uh, the, the, the post can say that it became too difficult. It became too difficult to be to be mamed hadas altila to really uphold the halacha. People people got upset and people made trouble apparently. So bismanazeh, yeah, we don't do this. Every now and then, uh, some, someone who knows the halacha walks into Basin and and asks if he should stand up while while he's in the press. We tell him, no, no. Even though that's the halacha, the minigus today, we don't do that. We don't do this today. But the uh, ikra din, the way it used to be practiced in the time of the Mishnah, in the time of the Gemara, was litigants stood up. Tosa says, but why? The Gemara says, the Gemara says elsewhere, a Talmud Chacham does not have to stand. If a Talmud Chacham is in Basin, if he's in a Dintara, he does not have to stand. Because even though, yes, there's a mitzvah to say of Amdu Shnan Hashem Hashem Ariv, there's a mitzvah to say to stand up, but Kavad Torah is also a mitzvah. Showing respect to the Talmud Chacham by allowing him to sit is also a mitzvah. So, the, so it, it's a conflict in two mitzvahs, and the mitzvah of Kavad Torah is adif. The mitzvah of Kavad Torah is more important. So if the mitzvah of Kavad Torah is more important than, than the mitzvah of standing up, Says Tosus, it would seem that the mitzvah of covered for the Melech is even more important because we said we said in the Gemara before that uh, that a Talmud Chacham can be mochel in his covered, a Melech cannot be mochel in his covered. So it sounds like the mitzvah of covered for the Melech is even greater than the mitzvah of covered for the even greater than the mitzvah of covered for the for, for the Talmud Chacham. So if, so if the, the Talmud Chacham's mitzvah of covered of covered Torah overrides the mitzvah of standing up, surely the Melech mitzvah should override the mitzvah of standing up. So the Gemara says no. The Gemara says, really, the mitzvah of covered Torah is greater than the mitzvah of covered for the king. Even though violating covered of the Talmud Chacham is not uh, punishable by death, nevertheless, the mitzvah of covered Torah is a greater mitzvah, a stronger imperative than the mitzvah of covered for the king. The, the, the greatest thing we have is Torah, and therefore the greatest mitzvah is covered Torah, is greater than covered for the king. So why, if that's true, if the Tosa's question was, if it's really true that covered Torah is greater than covered for the king, then why can a... Why can a why can a Talmud Chacham be mochel and his covenant and a king can't if his mitzvah is really greater? So Tosu says that's not because of greater or, or, or less great. He says that's because the Gemara, 
Right, that's because the Gemara says why. The Gemara says that, that when it comes to the Torah, the Gemara explains why can Talmud Chacham be Mokhlan is covered? Because Torahs are delayed. It's, it's his Torah. Once he, that, that's a tremendous, uh, tremendous chiddush of the Gemara, that one, when a person learns Torah, it's considered his Torah. He has rights over the Torah. Even though it's a tremendous, tremendous mitzvah, but the mitzvah of Kavod Torah, but it's his Torah. So he, he ha, he's the one who can be Malchah. The, the mitzvah of Kavod for the king, even though, even though objectively it's less... Which part? He didn't learn the part of the. Yeah. It doesn't matter what he learned. The point is, the point is that. It, that it's, not, it's not his Torah. Well, if he's a Talmud Chacham, that means he learned Torah. If he's enough of a Talmud Chacham to have the mitzvah of Kavod Torah, then that means he must have learned some Torah, whichever part he learned that entitles him to have Kavod Torah. That Torah that he learned, it's his Torah, and he has the right to Yimochel, even though the no, mitzvah. But, but what if we didn't learn the part that says that, that he can be Yimochel? Yeah, it doesn't matter if he learned the part that he can be Yimochel. The point is. The, the mitzvah to show cover to the Torah is because of the fact that he learned Torah. And if it's because of the Torah he learned, that Torah that he learned that entitles him to cover is his Torah. So that gives him the right to Yimokal, whether he learned that part of the Torah or not. He has the right to Yimokal because it's, the, it's his Torah that gives him the, the cover. So he can be Yimokal, even though it's a greater mitzvah than covered for the king. But the, but the, but the cover for the king, it's not, it's not personal, it's not his thing. It's because the Torah says, show respect for the king. We, 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 don't, we don't have a similar rule that it's his, it's his Malchus. The Malchus is not his personal thing. Therefore, he can't be Malchus, and that, that, that's, that's the way Tosis understands. Rebbein Yonah, I saw, they bring, I saw they bring in the name of Rebbein Yonah, says a little bit differently. He says that covered for the king, again, it's not a personal thing. It's covered for the whole Kal Yisrael. The king is the, the, king, is the king of Kal Yisrael, and therefore... It's not up to the king personally to be mochel because he has to he has to represent the whole nation. And even if he personally wants to be mochel, it's not up to him. He, he serves the nation. He's he's the representative of the whole nation. Talmudachem, it's his personal terrorist, so he has the right to be mochel. In any event, this is how we paskin that an av shemachal kvodo kvodo machal, a rab shemachal kvodo kvodo machal, a nasi shemachal kvodo kvodo machal, but a melech shemachal kvodo ain't kvodo machal, and that's how the Mitzvah David understands the 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 phrase rak hazak vehmatz. Uh, we should mention, and I believe Post can say, that even though we say that an Av Shemachlach Kvodo or Rav Shemachlach Kvodo Kvodo Machel, not necessarily Bizayon. Not to show covered is one thing. To, to, to allow him not to stand up or things like that, is, is that, 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 that's okay. But to actually allow Bizayon for a father to say, you know, I don't care if you speak disrespectfully to me, I don't care if, you're, uh, if, you, if you do things that, are, that, 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 that actually are Bizayon, that, I think, we say the, the, the camping local, but, or I'm not 100% sure about that, but that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a somewhat different discussion, whether it's, whether it's be Mokhal and Bizayan, but we're talking about covered, not showing covered to the king, not showing covered to these people, so everyone can be Mokhal, the Av, the, the Rav, and the Talmud Chacham, the, for, for the, the, the Av, the Talmud and the Nasif, as we've been explaining, except for the Melech, the Melech, the Halacha is, cannot be Mokhal and his covered. For the last part of our share, for the last part of our discussion of this parak. I want to discuss the basic idea here is that people are commanded to respect the king and not be kolasher yamres picha. That kolasher that, yamres picha, you must, that no one is allowed to, to disobey the king. Yamre means to rebel. No one is allowed to, the Jews rebelled at the Yamsuf, that no one is allowed to rebel against the king. And if they, if they do, that's punishable by death. There's a very fascinating discussion. It's not extensively discussed, but a very fascinating discussion by, uh, by a handful of Jewish thinkers. We Americans, we live in the United States. It was founded uh, on the back of a revolution against, we were a colony of, uh, of, of England, of King George. We, we, we declared independence when, when we felt the unfairness and the outrages of the, 
His Majesty King George, we have a whole list of whereas, he's done this and he's done that. We, we listed all kinds of grievances that we learn in school about, uh, about uh, taxation without representation and, un and being forced to quarter soldiers, all kinds of uh, things that, we've, that we felt were unfair, that were unfair treatment of us by the, by, by the Crown of England. Therefore, we said we are justified in throwing off the, the yoke of England and declaring independence. So this was based, of course, on Enlightenment thought, uh, John Locke, Thomas Jefferson, the, the ideas that the, the rights of the, of the government uh, are, are rooted in the consent of the governed, that unlike you know, older theories of divine right of kings and so on, the, the more modern Enlightenment 18th century notion was that the, the government's legitimacy derives from popular sovereignty. The real sovereignty is with the people themselves. They have the right to decide who should be the king, and insofar as they accept the government, that government is legitimate. If they don't accept the government, certainly if they have good reason to not accept the government, then the government is not legitimate, and they are, they are within their rights, their moral and legal rights, to, to uh, depose the government, to, to, to throw off the authority of the government. The question is, what does the Torah say about this? Does the Torah accept these premises that a people have the right to rebel against the king, if he's a tyrant, if they, if they, have, reason, if they have reason to, uh, to, be, to be displeased with, uh, with, a, with, uh, with the conduct of the crown, do they have the right to rebel and throw off the, the authority of the king? So there's actually very little halakhic discussion of this question. The, the, most, the, the, the most important one that I'm aware of is a detailed discussion, a fascinating, fascinating discussion by the Barbanel in his spiritual Torah. Barbernell spent much of his career in, in high-ranking government positions, and he, he, knew, he personally knew kings and so on. And he, he's always at his most interesting when he writes about politics and diplomacy and, uh, and uh, royalty and so on. So he, he writes in, in, in Dvarim, in the Parsha of Melech, of Sam Tos Melech Melech, the, the mitzvah to appoint the king, he writes, he says, this is, a, this, is a, this is a question we have to address, he said. We're going to address, he says. He says, I have not seen any of my predecessors discuss this question. He has not seen any discussion in earlier Jewish thinkers about this question. Do the people have the right to rebel if the king is a tyrant, if the king is uh, not behaving the way he should? He says, we find, we find stories in Tanakh. We find, if we eventually get to Malachim, we have the story of Shlomo and Rechavam. After Shlomo Melech died, the people petitioned Rechavam for leniency in their taxation. And Rechavim's advisors gave him conflicting advice. The, the younger one said, uh, be tough, no, show him, who's, show him who's master, impose your will, and say, I'm going to double the taxes, I'm going to increase the taxes. And the older advisors, who were more mature, had, more, uh, ha had a wiser counsel. They said, no, no. He says, he says you, you cut them some slack, give them a break, and they'll be yours forever. Just propitiate them now, and you'll, you'll pay dividends in the long run. He made the fatal mistake of listening to the, to the hot-headed young advisors, his friends, and, they, uh, and that caused the, the fissure of, of the Malchus into Malchus Beit and Malchus Yisrael. The people, the people rebelled against the harsh taxation, and they, <coughs> and they threw off his... Uh, and, and, and they seceded from the, the kingdom, and they eventually accepted Yeravim ben Nevat, and, and, and that became the Malchus Yisrael, which for hundreds of years was a separate kingdom from, from that of Malchus Yehuda. So he mentions this example, the way the, way the people did to Rechavim. Do they have the right to do that? The, the Navi is not always clear. The Navi recounts all kinds of historical events. The Navi is not always clear whether what people did in a given case was, was right, was wrong. So the question is, are they allowed to do that? If they're upset at taxation, similar to the American Revolution, they were upset at what they felt were the unfairly high taxes. 
So do they have the right to do that? Do people have the right to say that the people have the right to say that uh, we're, we no longer accept the authority of the king because we don't like his policies, his policies are unfair. So this is a machlokas between the... Barbanel says this was an argument between him and between other chachamim, his contemporaries of his time. He says, it's, a, he says it's an amazing thing. He says, Chachme humos, the non-Jewish scholars, he says, they said, this is in the 16th century, 15th century, this is in the 15th century, they said, 15th or 16th century, that it's appropriate to do that. And uh, this is years, centuries before the Enlightenment, centuries before the American and French Revolution and John Locke and the rest of them. He says his, his Christian contemporaries said uh, back in the 15th or 16th century, 500 years ago, that it's the right of a people to throw off the yoke of a tyrant if he is what he calls a melech rao blial, an evil king, a scoundrel, they have the right to depose him. And I said that Barbanel, he was the reactionary. I spoke in the presence of Malachim and scholars, he said, sages, I prove that it's not appropriate, that they have no authority to do that, they have no authority to withdraw the kingdom, no matter how bad he is, even if he's Marshial, called Varpesha. I made three arguments in support of this position that no matter what the king does, they have no right to, to secede, to uh, depose the king. So a very, very reactionary uh, conservative position. He says he had three arguments. His first argument is he says that the, the social contract, that the people have a contract with the king, we accept you as the king, we grant you authority, and we agree to respect you, but you have a responsibility to behave properly, like we discussed last week, not to give illegitimate orders and so on. Says the Abarbanel, yeah, so while the Enlightenment thinker said that contract is it, it, it's mutual if the king doesn't live up to his side of the bargain to be a just and fair king, so the people have the right to, uh, to abandon their part of the contract, says Abarbanel, nope, the contract is unconditional. It says it's mochletes, it has no uh, clauses for, for breach, for, 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 for dissolving the contract, he says. It doesn't matter if the king is a tzaddik or a rasha. He adds another point, he says, that people are not, uh, are not the ones to make that decision. They can't judge the king. Again, we don't believe that. We believe no man is above the law. We believe that even the king is subject to laws. As a matter of fact, when, when Shimon and Levi massacred the people of Shem, so the question is why? What, what, what justified that, that, that massacre? So they said, so the Rambam says, because Shem had committed an atrocity, and the people should have judged him. The people should have uh, enacted justice uh, for Dina. They didn't do that, so they themselves were guilty of a uh, capital offense. Others say, do you really expect them to judge the king? I mean, even if they should, morally, but the king is the king. The king, the kings then were, wouldn't have submitted uh, meekly and justice. Even, even people today, the leaders of, of countries don't always do that. So, yeah, but the, the Barbanel says people are not even capable of judging the king. They're, they're, He's completely beyond the, the scope of their justice, of their discernment. And that's why Yeshua said, Anyone who rebels against you shall die. People have no right to say that, that, that we're deposing you, even if it's the whole people. They want to reject his, his authority. He says all that is included in our Pasuk because of the Shvua and the Bris, the oaths and the covenant they make with the king. They're Mechuyav and Befodo. They're obligated to respect the king. And they have no power to remove him from the throne. That's argument number one. Argument number two, he says, is that the, 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 also an old, uh, an, an old, an old-fashioned argument. He says that the king in this world is parallel to God in the God in the heavens. He says that's why the king has absolute power to punish uh, the harasha and to make exceptions to the to the general rules, just like Hashem can override the 
the, na the natural order that he imposed, the king has the right to do uh, extra legal things. And he says, that's why the king is yachid, the king is one. We believe in divided government. We believe in uh, separation of powers. They didn't have that back then. The king should be one and only one, just like Hashem is only one in the world. So the king, the king is, uh, so the king is parallels Hashem. And therefore he says, lifting a hand against the king is like lifting a hand against the Kodesh Baruch Hu, he says. And uh, that's why David, he says, did not want to kill Shaul, even when they were in a, uh, even when they were in uh, a, 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 an intractable quarrel, Shaul was trying to kill him. David Melech had the opportunity to kill Shaul, and he refused to do it. He says, he says, how can someone, Kimi, Kimi, Shalach, Yad, Mashiach, Hashem, Benika, how can anyone lift a hand against the anointed one of God, even though Shaul was trying to kill him? It was unthinkable to David to lift a hand against Shaul because it's like lifting a hand against Hashem. He can't, he, the king has uh, absolute uh, respect, like a Kodesh Baruch Hu, and we can't uh, do anything against him. These two arguments, he says, apply even to non-Jewish kings. These are not limited to Jewish kings. Even a non-Jewish king, the people have no right to rebel because the, the social contract is absolute with no, no exceptions for bad behavior and because the, the king is uh, parallel to, is, is, is analogous to a Kodesh Baruch Hu. The third argument he says is specific to Jews. He says is that the king is appointed by a navi, as as, we're, as we'll see eventually if we get there and say for Shmuel and say for Malachim, the kings were appointed at least in certain cases by Neviim, meaning by Hashem. So he says the only person who can who could theoretically depose a king is the person who appointed the king. Whoever has the authority to appoint the king has the authority to depose him, since the people themselves are not are not ones to appoint the king. It claims of Arbanel. That's going to be a whole debate. We'll touch on this a little bit later, whether the people have a say in appointing the king or not, or it's just the Navi. But he says, or the Barbanel says, the people are not the ones who appoint the king. It's the Navi, it's Hashem who appoints the king. Therefore, it makes sense that, they, have the, that they, they don't have the power to depose him either. Only Hashem who appointed him, he says. That's why, that's why Shmuel, when the people asked for a king, and Shmuel and Hashem were upset at them, and Shmuel warned them what would happen, and he told the people that you're asking for a king, Hashem will appoint a king, but then you, then you may regret it because the king may uh, may not be to your liking, and, and you'll have no recourse. He says, "You will cry out on that day where the king is oppressive, that you'll cry out against your king." So Hashem says, "You have no permission to rebel. You can complain, you can cry out, but you have no authority to remove him." He says, "Even if he's begvul harisha, even though he's uh, even though he's terrible." The only thing you can do is to cry out to Hashem. Hashem is the one who made the king. Hashem can remove the king if he chooses. But you have no right, especially a Jewish king appointed by a Navi, he says here, you have no right to depose the king. So this is the Abarbanel's extremely reactionary position. Rebellion against the king is never justified um, because of these three reasons, because the social contract, when the people agreed to the king, to the king that was absolute, because the king is parallel, analogous to a Kosh Baruch Hu, and because a Jewish king appointed by a Navi was appointed by Hashem, so you have no right to, uh, you're not the one who appointed the king, you have no right to depose the king as well. The, here the Barbanel seems to be very much, and, and he seems to like the idea of kings, he says the king is Yachid Balamo, he's only one of them, he's not Yachid Balamo, he's Yachid in the country of the king, other countries have other kings, but the king is a Yachid, just like Hashem is the Yachid. Elsewhere the Barbanel seems to actually uh, favor democracy, he talks about how the democracies of his day, the, the city-states of, uh, of, of Italy, 
they weren't uh, you know, modern democracies, but they but they did have uh, you know, the, the people the people who were elected to lead were not elected for life, and they were, and they were chosen by the people. Uh, Barbonell praises their their vitality and their success. He says Rome began to degenerate when it became an autocracy, when it ceased to be uh, a democracy, and, and and it turned into an empire. Rome, he says, began to uh, began to, began to uh, fall. Elsewhere, he thinks he thinks that actually having uh, more of a democratic system is better. But here, at least, he says that the, the, the Malchus is uh, the Malchus is a uh, lofty institution. It's inviolate. The Malchus is like Hashem, cannot be deposed by the people. And this is the remarkable position of the Abarbanel. He would seem to say that the American Revolution was illegitimate, was uh, had no moral grounds. I don't know that his position. I don't know whether his position is accepted by uh, other Jewish thinkers or not. But uh, there, there definitely are those who maintain that a, the people do have the right to rebel and withdraw their with, with, withdraw sovereignty from the king. There is a brief passage in the Karanura, an Akron from the 19th century, I believe. He says that the he's discussing a very technical halachic point. He's discussing the. He, he, he says that that he says that the he says that, that the he, he's actually going in Masechus Harayos, which discusses the the carbonos that that different type of people bring of the carbonchatos, a private person, a Sanhedrin, a melech. So the I, I always like to point out sometimes the most profound most profound and and far-reaching questions in in, in, in Judaism and Torah and Ashkafa are come up in the most uh, technical and uh, formal context. He, he's, he's discussing whether people have the right to withdraw their support from the king, and he brings it up in the context of what carbon does a king, does a king bring if people have withdrawn their support from him. He says that the Yushalmi says that Davra Melech, Davra Melech uh, experienced rebellions during his life. One of the famous ones was the rebellion of Avshalom. So for a while, Avshalom was in the ascendant, and David was fleeing from Avshalom. Avshalom was trying to kill him, and he was he was running away from Avshalom. So the Yushalmi says, at that point, if David would have had to bring a carbon chatas, so would he have brought the carbon of a melech or the carbon of a commoner? So the Yushalmi says, the carbon he would bring is the carbon seira, the carbon that a yachid brings. At that point, he had the status of a commoner, not the status of a king. Even though he was nimshachil al piyadibur, David was anointed by by Shmuel al piyativ from Rakash Baruch Go to go to Yishai and appoint his son, and he told him which son. And he said, uh, even though David's anointment was 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 from Hashem, it was from Shmuel and Avi. Nevertheless, Yushalmi indicates that while the people withdrew their support from him, people were following Avshalom. Avshalom had the Avshalom had the loyalty of much or most of Klal Yisrael at that time. So he says that that you see that. The, the idea of a melech, unlike the Barbanel, he doesn't mention the Barbanel, but unlike what we just discussed from the Barbanel, Karanara says, Sovereignty rests in the people, like they said in the Enlightenment, that when they accept the king, they're obligated to obey him, and, and he has power, he has authority. But for Gambahem, unlike the Barbanel, who says that they can withdraw sovereignty because the, because the grant of sovereignty is absolute and irrevocable, and because the and because the Navi appoints the king, says the the Karanar, no, the people appoint the king. Adover Tali Baam, they appoint him, and Vigambahem Adover Tali Laharido Megdulaso. It is in their authority, it's their prerogative to remove him. And he brings it to Shalmi that when the people followed up Shalom, they were obviously withdrawing their support from David. They transferred their allegiance and support to Avshalom. They were essentially deposing David. They were saying that David is no longer our king. Even though he was appointed by a Navi, Abarbanel says, how can it be that if he's appointed by a Navi that the people can, can change that? Says the Karanara, no, that's the way it works. You need, you need popular sovereignty is important as well. 
and the popular sovereignty is important as well. If the people withdraw their sovereignty, he loses the status of king. That's the that is the, that, that that's the position of the that's the position of the Karanara, not like that Barbanella parent. The basic idea that the that the authority of the government derives from the consent of the governed, the basic idea is, is also found not, not regarding rebellion, but the basic the basic this basic philosophical idea that the legitimacy of government, the authority of government derives from the consent of the governed, appears in a famous comment of the Rashbam of the Rashbam, one of Rashi's grandchildren, the, in, in, in his commentary to the Talmud. The Talmud says a famous rule, a famous halachic rule, dina de malchus dina, that the law of the, of the government is the law, is, is, is acknowledged by halacha as binding, as legitimate. So the, the Rishonim and the other, other halachists you know, give very, offer various reasons for why is that. What, under what Torah principle do we accept that the... Why is it that the, the, the law of the government is binding? So the Rashbam has a very famous explanation, very widely quoted. He says that all the laws and taxes and so on of the king that are appropriate, that, that, that are customary, he says, are dinahu. Why? From, from, from whence derives the legitimacy of government? He says, Everyone in the kingdom accepts upon themselves willingly the laws of the king, Mishpatov. And that's what makes it absolute binding din, and therefore it's, and therefore it's, it's legitimate. So the Rashbam says, where does the government get its legitimacy from? From the willingness, from the consent of the government. Now, he wasn't talking about democracies. The, the, the governments in medieval Europe, the governments in the Talmud's time, Persia and Babylonia, were by no means democracies. The governments that Chazal referred to, some of the later, later Chazal may have, may, may have been talking about the Roman, the Rome, which maybe was some, some degree of democracy at that time, but it doesn't sound like they were, they were limited to, to democracies. Nevertheless, the, the Rashbam understands that there is a kind of, even if they aren't having actual elections, uh, people know they need government, people recognize it, they, they whether you know, grudgingly or willingly, people, people accept, the, 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 accept the sovereign power. And therefore, that's where the consent of the governed, of, uh, that the consent of the governed, that's where legitimacy comes from. It comes from, that's why Halakha recognizes its laws, because the people have some kind of de facto acceptance of the government. So according to the Rashbam as well, it could be argued that Again, that, that, that if, if the, you know, the Rabbanel might claim that once they accept the government, it's irrevocable, but the, the Rashbam is saying that the, the basic idea is very modern. The basic idea is that the, consent of the, is that the consent of the governed is what confers legitimacy on the government, and to the extent that they would, the Rashbam doesn't say what happens if they would withdraw that consent, but it's certainly plausible, like the Karanara, that if they, that, that if they withdraw their consent from the, from the government, that he may no longer have the, he may no, he may no longer be legitimate. The basic question of the who appoints a king, is it the Navi or is it the people or is it both? Abarbanel, we saw, says it's the Navi, so how can the people have the right to withdraw their consent? It's actually uh, not entirely clear. The Torah, the Torah doesn't make it so clear who appoints a king. The Torah says, The one who Hashem will choose. What does it mean, the one who Hashem will choose? So the Sifri says, the one who Hashem will choose means Alpi Navi. Ibn Ezra says that, how will Hashem choose? How do you know who Hashem chooses? Hashem doesn't, uh, Hashem doesn't uh, issue public statements. So it means Alpi Navi, or Obetumim. Not, not you. You're not the one who chooses the king. Hashem chooses the king. Others, however, do say the people choose. Rambam says, how do you appoint a king? Alpi Bastin shall shivim zikainim, through the Sanhedrin, Valpi Navi. See, Rambam says two things. Does it mean both? Does it mean either one? Not entirely clear. 
But the Yoshua, he says, Yoshua was appointed by Moshe Rabbeinu and his Bastin. Shaul was appointed by David. Shaul and David were appointed by Shmuel and his Bastin. So the Rambam seems to indicate there's both a Navi and Bastin involved. Bastin is, is, represents the people, perhaps. The Ramban, the Ramban does not like the Safri, Ezra. The Ramban says, You think Hashem means that the Navi has to choose? Hashem chooses via a Navi? He says, the, the, the Torah goes on and says, You can't appoint a non Jew. You can't appoint a foreigner as king. Lo suchal. You're not allowed to appoint a, a foreigner. So what does that mean? If Hashem is choosing, then why do we need instructions of who we can pick and who we can't pick? Hashem is the one who's choosing. Says the says the says the Ramban al derech apshat. You know, I think you should read the pasuk at least al derech apshat. It means choose. You should choose someone who Hashem will. You pick someone who Hashem will choose. Meaning, not someone who Hashem will uh, will will repudiate, who Hashem will be opposed to, which means that he Hashem chose you, and he wants you to be king, and not another nation. So it, it all goes together. Choose someone who Hashem will approve of, meaning a Jew, meaning a, meaning one of Israel, and don't choose someone who we won't approve of, meaning a non-Jew. So it doesn't mean you should be doing the choosing, not the navi. Asher Yivchar Hashem means Hashem will approve of your choice, meaning follow the halacha and do what Hashem wants. It does not mean that Hashem will actually choose. Um, another shot he brings is Asher Yivchar means that whoever rules has the favor of Hashem, that, that, that Hashem, Hashem runs the world, so whoever ends up being the leader is apparently the one who Hashem chooses. So he says, uh, whoever you choose is the one that, that it'll be in accordance with Hashem's decrees, even if he's someone who comes from a lowly family, but uh, a lowly shevet, but still, if, Hashem, if you pick him, it'll, uh, you'll see that apparently Hashem will have chosen him. So according to the Ramban, Asher Yivchar does not mean that you choose by a Navi. It sounds like you choose, the people themselves get to choose. The, the the Radvaz says that, that who's a melech who has this, who has a, who has the halacha of Malchus? He was appointed by a navi or by Kal Yisrael. The Radvaz implies, even though the Raman seems to say both, the Shmuel and his based in Moshe and his based in. The Radvaz seems to say it's either or, either by a navi or the people. You can have a king chosen by a navi, or you can have a king chosen by a people. So certainly, if the king is chosen by the people, then at least one of the Barbanel's arguments against rebelling is weakened. One of his arguments is the king is chosen by a navi. It's actually not so simple that every king is chosen by a navi. Some clearly were. It's actually not so simple that every king is chosen by a navi. And maybe when we get to say from Malachim, we'll discuss. Uh, hopefully, if and when we get to say from Malachim, we'll discuss some of these issues. Uh, we'll return to some of these issues.